I'm going to be honest with you. People think it's great to be a pastor. It's times like this I'm going to say it's not easy because I don't know what way this morning's going to go. I'm trusting the Lord to give a word. Uh, they said the Lord give a word in the season last week. Well, let's trust and pray that it's still in season today. And the most important thing we can do this morning is pray and seek his face. Let's seek his face together. Father, we ask you, Lord, as we would come to your word, Lord, that you bless your word. Lord, indeed, we need the spirit of the living God to apply his word. May it be your words today. May your word come forth. May it shine forth. May it break through, Lord, all that would hinder, all that would disturb. And may you, Lord, be glorified through the preaching. And may the word be established upon our hearts and upon our lives to the glory of Jesus and Jesus only. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and we're reading the verses 1 and 2. You'll remember last week we were looking to David, where he cried out, In what time I am afraid, I will trust in him. And so often we think that fear should never be a part of But when we can learn to exercise faith with fear, then we can live a life. And David knew that when he had fear, he must always come to the cross, where he must always come to the Lord, where he must always come to Jehovah. And here we are now, David has come out of where he was. David had found himself numbered with the enemies of God. David had found himself in a place that even he probably couldn't believe he was. And now in 1 Samuel 22, it says these words, David therefore departed. I don't care where you find yourself today. I don't care where you were last night. I don't care where you were this week. I don't care where you found yourself. You may have found yourself in a place of defeat. Let me tell you, the Lord will always give you a way through. David, therefore, departed thence. David found the way out. And I want to tell you, no matter where you are today, there's always a way out. No matter where you find yourself, the Lord will always give you that place. And he escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard of it, they went down thither to him. And every one that was in distress, and every one that was in debt, and every one that was discontented, gathered themselves on to David. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And we believe that the Lord will bless the reading of his word. And David escaped to the cave of Adalim. In the Hebrew tongue, Adalim means refuge. Now, the strange thing about this cave of Adalim, and we referenced to it last week, if I was to tell you that the Lord's going to answer your prayer, you wouldn't expect the answer of God to be a cold cave. You wouldn't expect the answer of God to be a place that, you know, doesn't have all the luxury. See, when we expect God to answer our prayers, when we expect God to answer our situation, 
we, in our mindset, we paint a picture of what we think God's answer is going to be. Can I tell you to do something this morning? Stop that. Stop that. You see, Jairus came to the Lord when his daughter was sick. His 12-year-old daughter was dying, and he come to the Lord, and he says, Lord, if you would come to my house, and if you would touch my daughter, my daughter will be healed. Everything he said was correct. Nobody can doubt that. But the problem about Jairus was Jairus made one massive mistake. He'd come to the Lord, but he told the Lord what he thought the answer should be. Had Jairus just come to the Lord and said, Lord, will you heal my daughter? The Lord would have healed his daughter instantly. I can prove it to you. See the synagogue that Jairus was uh, the leader of? Do you remember the Roman centurion came and says to the Lord, he says, I have a servant and he's healed. And then the Roman centurion went on to say, but Lord, don't, I, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. I'm not even worthy that you should even speak to me. And he says, nevertheless, at thy word, my servant will be healed. And the Lord healed his servant instantly. Do you remember they came to the Lord and said to the Lord, this Roman centurion's a great man. He built us a synagogue. Guess where the synagogue was that he built? It was the one that Jairus was now looking after. Jairus would have known the story. And how often do we hear of the power of God in our lives? How often do we learn of the opportunities where God can move in our lives? And yet and all, we still seem to come to the Lord and we still seem to tell the Lord how to answer our prayers. We still seem to look at situations, and, and, and I've done it where we went, do you know what, if the Lord would step in there, and if the Lord would do this, and if the Lord would do that, and how often our answers are futile in the eyes of a sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God. Stop telling the Lord how to answer your prayers. Stop looking at situations, telling the Lord what he needs to do. What you need to do is do what David, David departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adalim. Let me tell you something about the cave of Adalim. Do you know where it was? It was situated in the valley of Ella. Does anybody know the prominence of that valley of Ella? Ella was the valley where David defeated Goliath. Sometimes the Lord needs to bring us back to the place where it all began. Sometimes God needs to bring us back to that place where we need to find ourselves. Do you know when I was looking at this, do you know what the Lord gave me a thought? Before there was an Adam, there was an Adalim. See, the Lord created the heavens and the earth and he created this land on the third day. And he created the cave of Adalim on the third day. And I believe when the Lord was creating that cave, I believe the prominence of God was creating this cold, wet, lonely place. And he knew in a couple of thousand years' time, his servant David would know it. Oh, Tom, you're exaggerating. Tom, you're going too far, am I? What did he say to the prophet Jeremiah? Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you away before time even entered into the scene of eternity. I knew the plans that I had for you even before you even knew or your mother and father knew or the great grandparents. I knew you from eternity. You see, God, when he created the cave of Adalim, not only did he create it, but it was God's answer to David 2,000 years later. 
And I want to tell you, no matter what your situation is, God had the answers thousands of years ago planned in eternity. And we try to bring the God, Yahweh, Jehovah, we try to bring him into our plans rather than say, Lord, bring me into your plan. You see, when the disciples asked the Lord, teach us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You see, people are teaching that the kingdom of come is, to be come, is, is yet to come. No, it's not. Sure, the Lord himself says the kingdom of God is here. You see, in the Bible, kingdom means rule. It means rule. It means authority. Nebuchadnezzar was told, this day thy kingdom shall be removed from you. What that means is, is the rule. And we as Christians should be asking the Lord for his kingdom in our lives. Lord, take control of my life. Let your rule, let your reign, let your authority come to my life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all say, yes, Lord, we want your will. But do we really want the will of God? Do you really want the will of God when it comes to the cave of Adullam? Do you really want the, the will of God when it comes out of your comfort zone? When it means sacrifice? When it means doing things that you don't want to do? Do you know we're really good when there's things we don't want to do and we're really good at saying, no, that's not the will of God for my life. Ah, no, no, I, I know all about the will of God, do you? I love it when people come to me and say, the Lord told me, never come to me and say them words to me because you know what I'm going to ask you next? What else did he tell you? If you're in one-to-one -one conversation with the Lord, what else did he tell you? Because if you're in a relationship with God where he's speaking to you and telling you things, I want to know more of what God wants for this land and for this nation. And if you're, the, if you're that person that God's speaking to, what else did he tell you? Do you know, I've seen more tragedies where fellas have come to young girls and said, the Lord told me that we're meant to be together. Girls, if a fella ever comes and says that to you, slap him round the face and run. Because <laughs> that same fella's going to come to you in two weeks' time and say, the Lord told me we're not to be together anymore. He's a wingnut. I have seen it more times than not. They spiritualize they spiritualize their flesh. And you know, to be honest, we can be guilty of that. We can be guilty of that in the house of God. We can be guilty of spiritualizing what we think. Here's how you spiritualize it. You go to the cave of Adullam. You step out of your comfort zone. You step out of what you think you know. And you step out of what you say. This is the way. Listen, didn't the Lord say this is the way? Walk ye in it. Do you know the will of God for your life? Do you know the plan that God has for you? I preach this many times, and I'm telling you this, and I mean this. Do you see if you want to live forever? Get a vision from God. Get a vision from God. Oh, Tom, no, 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 you're being this Pentecostal talk. Let me tell you something. In the last days, your old men will dream dreams. I had a dream last night, woke me up at two o'clock this morning. I ended up preaching this message. 
And I was laying in my bed, and then I was remembering the old men will dream dreams. I says, Lord, I need to go back to sleep. I'm not that old. Your young men shall see visions, and your daughters shall prophesy. Oh, to God, that that's what would enter the Pentecostal church of 2021. Unless it is flag-waving nonsense, unless it is babbling and mumbo-jumbo, what about a real true encounter with God? What about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Who wants that? Who needs that? Our land needs that. Our families need that. Never have I seen a period. Now, I'm only 43. I don't look it. You are meant to agree with me there. Here, I, I'm not coming back. Andrew, this is it. You still didn't disagree with me? I was standing there hoping somebody would. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. And Billy, listen, Billy got me a bottle of water. Praise the Lord. You see, child of God, I have never seen anything like it over this last while. Do you know what is most disturbing? Young men, young women going out into a lost eternity. Do you know what's really breaking my heart? They grew up in Christian homes. Oh, to have known the beautiful gospel. I don't want to judge, but I want to tell you something. Don't leave people in any doubt. If you move house, what do you do? You leave a Ford and address. You leave an address that people know where you're going, don't you? You don't just move house and leave no indication of where you've gone to. I see so many young people and they're disillusioned with the church of Jesus Christ because they see in their own homes. You would not believe the amount of young people I've sat with in turmoil and they've said, Tom, I've heard you're preaching. I want to believe you're preaching. But the problem is I grew up in a home and my mum and dad sat in church and they put on the face and they put on the persuasion and they looked apart, the sound apart. And then when they came home, my dad was a reprobate. He didn't live up to what the word of God said. I seen it with my own eyes. I seen what he done to my mom, and you hear these stories. And my flesh wants to say, I tell you what, show me where your dad is and I'll have him a clip for you. But my spirit knows the harm that it's doing. And can I say something? Can I be honest with you? See, when they tell me about their dads, I'm convicted because I know the sin that's in my life. I know the ability that I have to be a hypocrite. I want to be honest with you. David said that if the Lord should mark iniquity, who of us could stand? I want to tell you something. I'll give this pulpit right now to whoever wants to come up here and say, Tom, I've got all the answers. I'll, I'll step aside. I'll say that with a pure, honest heart. But we don't have it. It's the spirit of the living God when it falls on a meeting afresh where it moves in the minds and the souls of people. Everybody loves David Wilkerson. Let me tell you something. I sat in David Wilkerson's meetings. It was like sitting before the Lord. You wanted to crawl under the ground because the spirit of God would enter the meeting. The spirit of the living God was invited into the meeting, was wanted in the meeting. And when it came in, people repented, pastors repented, deacons, elders 
And we're so busy playing church and we're so busy going through all the motions, we're not prepared to enter into the cave of Adalim. And the cave of Adalim means refuge. Away in eternity, away in creation, God had a refuge. And I believe today, no matter what happens in Christ's encounters, God has a plan. God has a way and God has a refuge here for you. But you must want to enter in. Nobody can make you do it. I believe. And I believe us in my spirit. And this is why I've really not wanted to come this morning. I believe the Lord's about to bring CET into a time of shifting. I do. I've seen it before. Anytime God really moves, anytime God really does something, he does a sifting. It worries me when people, I've sat in meetings, I've heard people praying for revival. I go, I want to tell you something, that really worries me when people pray for revival. Because in our minds, let's talk again about what we see in our minds. See, when we pray for revival, do you know what we see? We see us sitting on our backsides, sitting in these seats, doing nothing with our hands under our posteriors. Lord, we just send a revival. And what you're really asking the Lord to do is bring people in while we sit and do nothing. That's what we are asking for when we're asking for revival. If I'm wrong, forgive me. But let me tell you what revival is. Revival deals with the church first and foremost. He will not bring a sick damn world into a sick damn church. He will not bring people in to a place that's in bigger trouble than the outside. And when you pray for revival... And for some reason, I would say, CET's been praying for revival, have you? Will the Lord start and answer your prayers? He does a sifting. He starts to take some of his children home. He starts to separate the chaff from the wheat, and he starts to take people that he doesn't want there. For the elect's sake, he will shorten their days. There's some people who say, I'm not going to put you through what's about to happen. Come home to me, child. Tom, you're too much. Where's the Tom last week? You see, the Tom that's here this week is here to tell you the truth because it's the truth that will set you free. Not set you free to do what you want. Set you free to get into the will and the mind of God. That's the most important thing. Because why I'm telling you is to get a vision from God. Do you just want to live forever? Where there's no vision, what does the Bible say? That people what? They perish. So that's look at the flip side. Where there is a vision, the people what? They live. You see, get a vision and you have something to live for. Do you know what's happened in the church? We're going through the motions. I say this with the greatest respect. I don't mean to hurt you. Thank God for the people who shout here this morning. I want to encourage you for coming out. Thank God. By the way, for you listening online, I understand the fear that's being pumped into people. Can I tell you what the most dangerous thing is that you'll do this week is? It's getting a car. Statistically, getting into your car. There's Glenn. I'm going to get you business here, Glenn. <laughs> the most dangerous. I hope I am. I'm going to have to be careful here. The most dangerous thing you'll do this week is get into a car, statistically. And yet, no, everybody's happy to get in their cars, but all of a sudden, everybody's afraid to go to church. 
Hmm? Internet followers, do I get an amen on that? Don't think I will. Get out to the presence of the house of God, to the living God. Get out. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren of the children of God. There's power in unity. There's power in coming together. I'm not telling you to dismiss, to be safe and to be careful with one another. We need to be careful. Out of love we be careful. But forsake not the gathering together of the children of God. Come together. In a time like this, come together. Last night in Balsonic and Belfast, there was thousands of them out. Hmm? Well, do, am I wrong? On the Boucher Road, there was thousands of them out A Planet Love. Thousands of them. Encouraged, come out. Children of God, come out and join together in the name of Jesus. And stand up for Jesus. While our young ones are out partying. We're laying at home stirred to come out into the presence of God. Come together. I've went off. Forgive me. When David's brethren and all his house heard it, they went down thither to him. Can I ask you a question? And some good Bible students will know this. And it doesn't make you a bad Bible student if you don't, by the way. We all know about Naomi. We all know about Ruth. Who was the third woman of the story? There was Naomi. There was Ruth. Who else? Who? Oprah. Nobody knows her. Nobody remembers her. Why? Because she turned back. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. There's people going to use what's happened in here as an opportunity. Let them go. Let them go. If they're not with you, let them go. Tom, that's a bit harsh. Is that? Is that? Naomi was vulnerable. Naomi made it very plain. I've no children left. I've no hope. I've no refuge. Ruth says, I'm not going to leave you. Oprah says, there's nothing in this for me. I'm going to hit the high road, Jack. See you later. Oprah disappeared into eternity. Never heard of again. Ruth has a wee book dedicated to her in the name of the Lord. If you want to do something in this life, keep pressing on, child of God. Stop pressing back and, oh, he looked at me like this and she looked at me like, I didn't like the way she looked at me this morning. Did you see the way she looked at me this morning? So what? So what? How's Jesus looking at you this morning? Who cares? If that's what your walk with God has become, you need to wise up. Mark my words. And mark my words clearly. I had a whole lot more to preach, but time has run out. But I'm going to say this to you. And I want every one of you to listen to me carefully. Smite the shepherd and you'll scatter the sheep. They're going to go after your pastor. You get behind your pastor. 
you get behind your pastor. Because I'll tell you why I'm telling you to get behind your pastor. On Thursday, I picked your pastor up who I wouldn't have allowed to come with me on any other occasion. But he wanted to come out to the funeral of one of his sheep. And he wasn't fit to. And I can tell you of an honest heart, you have a shepherd who loves you. Get behind your pastor. Get behind him. Because they're going to be after the shepherd. If they can get the shepherd, they'll get use. But here's what we know. If God be for us, then who can be against us? You see, when the Lord is on your side, it doesn't matter what to think. It's the peace of God, the pass of all understanding. Science can't describe it. Mathematicians can't even add it up. The greatest of these soothsayers, the Dalai Lama, none of them can work out the peace of God. And that's why they hate the children of God. They don't know what it is and they can't grasp it. They want the bat. They want to put it into boots. They want to parcel it in containers and make money out of it. You can't do it. Simon the sorcerer wanted the bank in on it. Our friend Peter turns around and says, away with you and your money. See, for you who think I was over the top this morning, in the Greek New Testament, do you know what he said? Go to hell. That's what he actually says. Go to hell. Christians, it's time we started a bit of straight talking, isn't it? And stop dancing around. Because we need men to be men and women to be women. For the glory of God. Because I tell you what, the cave of Adullam and I'm out of time. But there's no mistakes with God, is there? But I'll tell you something about the cave of Adullam. David went into it as a madman. See, if you read the chapter before it, they called him a madman. And we get on like madmen. We get on like maniacs when we lose sight of who we are in God. When we find ourselves numbered with the ungodly. We start to be all over the place, don't we? We're here, we're there. We're in, we're out, we're out, we're in. David got to the cave of Adullam, the place that God created on the third day of creation. The place where the Lord says, this is for David. Can I tell you something? See, before you mess up, God has an answer. See, before you go wrong, God has an answer. Can I prove it to you? Jonah. Remember Jonah sinned? Went out of the will of God. Decided he would catch a boat to Gibraltar. And in the middle of this Salem, a storm rises up. Ungodly men start to cry out, what is the answer? Do you know there's ungodly men even crying out this morning, what is the answer? And all it took was for one man to be honest, the man of God. Get behind the man of God. Encourage him to be honest. Encourage him to preach the truth. Encourage him to take their stand for God. Get behind them. And it was when the man of God eventually owned up and started to speak the truth. If you're reading Jonah chapter 1. Actually, that's turn. Just quickly, put it up from a Jonah chapter 1. And where are we? Jonah chapter 1. And verse 17, please. Jonah 1, 17. Everybody goes on about Jonah was out of the will of God. Jonah had lost his way. Yes, Jonah had lost his way, but you can never get out of the will of God. David got out of the will of God, but the Lord had the cave of Adullam prepared for him thousands of years ago. Explain that. Explain that. What does it say? Now the Lord had prepared a great fish 
to swallow up Jonah. Can I ask you something? What age would a fish need to be that size? See, this is the way my mind works. Google, what age would this fish need to be? Hi, Tom, it would need to be 150 to 200 years old. Thank you, Google. I will preach this tomorrow morning. Before Jonah ran away, the Lord had the answer. Jonah didn't even expect the whale. Because see, before they threw Jonah into the water, do you know what the, the, the sailors prayed? Lord, don't let his blood be on our hands. Jonah didn't stand on the side of the boat and say, boys, can you just wait for the half-two whale for Gibraltar here? It's just going to be going by soon. No. Jonah jumped in, not expecting an answer, but the will of God had it that Jonah wasn't to die. Why? Because Jonah had a vision from God. You can't die when you've got a vision from God. You can try, you can't. And Jonah jumps in, and along comes the half two for Gibraltar, swallows him up. But on their way to Gibraltar, there was an announcement. There's fog in Gibraltar. We're having to turn back and take you home. For three days, he was in the belly of hell. Sometimes God has to bring you through the hardest of times, the valley of the wheel, the cave of Adam. And I'm going to close on this point. Why does the Lord allow these things to happen to those that he wants to use? I've heard people explain it like this, and it really winds me up. It grinds my gears. Well, the Lord wants to test you to see just what you've got. Really? Are you telling me that the Lord wants to test you for him to see what you've got? The all-knowing, the all-powerful, the omnipotent, omnipresent God of creation wants to test you because he has forgotten what you have. Are you really going to tell me that that's the answer to that? If you do, I would tell you, whatever church is teaching you that stuff, get out of it. Because a church cannot teach truth like that and proclaim it as truth. It is not truth. The reason the Lord tests you and allows things to happen in your life is not for to show him what you have got. It's for to reveal to you what you have in you. And the Lord will reveal to you through the trials of this life and through all the trials that will come at you not what he needs to know, but what he wants you to know, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. And it's time to let this land and nation know it. They're trying to silence us, stand up for Jesus. They'll be given off up the road. But they need to hear about Jesus. Christian, whatever you're going through, Keep on going. Whoever doesn't want to stand with you, let them go. One man will stand against a thousand. Two will stand against ten. I tell you what will happen. Let them go and the Lord will bring people into your life that will help you. Don't hold on to dead wood. Don't hold on to dead wood. Don't hold on to people that's holding you back. I've said enough.
I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. (laughs) I would be a liar. But I will say this. Ken did say to me, he says, Tom, you've got your liberty on Thursday. And then Glenn and Andrew said it, so it's their fault. (laughs) Blame them. (laughs) But I will say this. Every one of us have that place that we want out of, if we're honest. I'm not going to make anybody publicly declare it. Every one of us have areas in our lives that we don't like. If you don't, praise God, and I'm really happy for you. But I can tell you as a pastor, and I'm going to be honest, there's areas in my life, oh my goodness, I can tell you Tom Quinn has a temper. Tom Quinn can rile up. And Tom Quinn can walk away around the corner disgusted with himself. Absolutely disgusted with himself. But I want to tell you something. Get into that place where God wants you. Find the place that God wants to meet with you. Get a private place. That's what Pastor McConnell taught us. Get a thrashing floor with the Lord somewhere and get away on your own and meet with the Lord and have an encounter with the Lord. One very last thought to prove it. Do you remember Elisha was building the Bible school? Do you remember the servant come and says, I've lost the axe? What did Elisha say to him? He says, come and show me the place where it all went wrong. Do some soul searching. Find the place that you need to get to for to sort it out in your own life. I'm not going, listen, I'm being careful here. I'm not encouraging you to phone people from 20 years ago and say, listen, I was thinking about you. I'm so sorry. I'm not, because sometimes you can do more harm than good. Let, let, let dogs lie, okay? I'm talking about for use. I'm talking about for you to get a place that you can meet with God. Because whenever they found the axe, they were able to establish the work of God. The Bible college was built. And you can build things for God when you find a place and go back to where you need to put it right. If there is a case that you need to put it right with one or do that. I'm talking about yourselves. Some of us need to get right with ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm a, is this clicking with anybody? Or, tell you what I'll let you off with. I'll let you off this all sitting there saying, no, this doesn't apply to me. No. I'll let you off with that. But if you want to be honest to yourselves today, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to find your place that the Lord has for you. And every one of you has a place. David had his Adullam. Do you know they all tell you, all the historians, all the theologians will tell you this was the turning point for David. This was David's turning point. But it would take another eight to ten years before David would be established as the king. It's not easy. It's not a quick flick of the switch. But all things work together for good. To them who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Right, I'm away. I'm going to start preaching more. Praise God. Bless you. Amen.